Welcome to episode 55. Have you been hearing the term functional medicine lately? Certainly, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you would have heard it before. But what exactly is functional medicine? Is it one of those hippie woo-woo areas of health or is it a legitimate medical modality? Today, I have someone with a long history in Western medicine whom now strongly advocates and works within the functional medicine space. And so today's episode is to clarify exactly what functional medicine is and what you might expect in an appointment with someone that uses this approach. Oh, and also, how does integrative medicine play into this conversation as well? Also, I hope you're getting ready for Christmas. (laughs) We're not far away. We're only one week out. And I want you to check out the podcast app, this podcast particularly, on Christmas Day because there'll be a little something for you there. (laughs) So watch out for that. Anyway, let's get this interview on the road. Let's jump into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? How you all doing? I hope you are doing all right. And today that you've got some solid plans to be putting some good food into your body. Remember, follow the rainbow method with your plate, at least five colors per meal. You got it? Good. Now, to today's guest. So we have the very lovely Julie Ferrelli, whom was in 2007 one of Australia's first recognized and APRA-endorsed nurse practitioners and has been nursing ever since she finished school at the ripe age of 17. Her experiences span from small country hospitals to large emergency departments, remote industrial mining sites to conventional general practice environments. Since becoming a nurse practitioner, she has added nutritional and environmental medicine, functional medicine, and life and wellness coaching qualifications to her arsenal of top-tier education, and I absolutely love all of those things, so this is going to be a great chat. Interestingly, the way that Julie and I connected was through the School of Applied Functional Medicine, and Julie now practices as a functional medicine practitioner, helping clients who are struggling with their symptoms of perimenopause and menopause. She consults primarily via online platforms, so she can work with clients in all areas of Australia, New Zealand, and around the world. And this amazing woman is here with us today. Welcome to the show, Julie. How are you? Thanks, Maddie. I'm really well, thank you. I'm so glad that you made it down here. You brought the good weather to Melbourne. Yes, caught it all the way from Brisbane. I know, I know. (laughs) So we've had a bit of a chat a couple of times before we had this podcast interview happen and we decided we wanted to demystify the term functional medicine because I think in many ways it's probably still a bit, people are a bit uncertain about it and maybe considered a bit woo-woo. So maybe we should start with the definition of what is functional medicine. Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's still fairly new in Australia. It's very much more established over in America. I think in Australia, we still tend to call it integrative medicine. Um, similar, but different. Um, so functional medicine, the father of functional medicine is Dr. Jeffrey Bland. Um, and he kind of came up with this concept back in the 80s, early 90s. And really, so function, it's talking about all the bodily functions how we how does dysfunction happen so really there is no disease like we've very common medically to come up with diagnoses so here's your diagnosis. Here is your pill for this disease. Yeah. Off you go, kind of thing. Whereas um, with functional medicine, we're trying to dig deeper. Why have you got your high blood pressure? Why have you got all these hormonal problems? Why is your thyroid upset? And really digging upstream to find the, the cause and what's causing this dysfunction um, and trying to get the bodily body function 
to function better. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, t- I can totally relate my own journey through conventional medicine, realizing or having an epiphany and being like, why doesn't anybody talk about why the problem is here? Exactly. Yeah. And look, trying not to bag our um, conventional medical colleagues because it's just the way we've all been trained and I was one of those as well. And I I think often it happens that um, doctors or nurses, nurse practitioners um, have their own journey and they end up discovering this different type of medicine and it really is the future of medicine, I think. I couldn't agree more. And I think as well, it's important that um, conventional medicine and I guess new age medicine being functional medicine and integrative medicine, they need a place where they can interface as well. Like each one has their place and they can both benefit from one another, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So hopefully um, with this new wave of people studying functional medicine, this really will become the future of medicine. And um, hopefully we'll be learning a lot more about nutrition and lifestyle, uh, especially with our medical programs, the traineeships. And listening to amazing people like you on this podcast. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So can you tell us a bit about your journey? Like, Mm. um, because obviously you and I both, we started in the conventional medical system. What was your journey and transition to incorporating these types of modalities into your, I guess, how you treat patients and how you work with different people? Yeah, well, I guess the first question is to what on earth is a nurse practitioner? Um, Not a lot of people know what we are. Especially Um, in Australia. Exactly. So once again, a lot more common over in America. Uh, There's probably... 200, 300,000 nurse practitioners over there. And really, um, they are often the actual primary care person for families and individuals over there. Whereas in Australia, we were only first endorsed. As you said, I was one of the first endorsed in 2007 in Australia. And there's still only about 2,000 of us in Australia. Yeah. So most of us work within emergency departments within a very defined scope of practice. Um, Whereas, as you said, my background is very broad. So coming from a country hospital background, I was seeing and treating a whole lot of things and becoming a nurse practitioner really just validated what I was doing and communicating with the doctors. So what that means is, and it's a protected term in Australia, you can't call yourself a nurse practitioner unless you have that specific master's degree. And then the um, ARPRA endorsement, which is just another hurdle to go through. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But what that means is we can um, diagnose, so we can order blood tests and x-rays and um, all the other diagnostic tools. And then come up with a diagnosis and we can treat and we can prescribe, which is a big thing as well. So Medicare allows us to prescribe under our scope of practice. So there I was merrily working as a nurse practitioner. It was great fun. still love it. But the big thing and with all my years of nursing, chronic disease just does not get fixed. I never saw anybody cured of chronic disease. I can relate completely. (laughs) Exactly. And like these poor people, they're told, yes, you're a type 2 diabetic now. Here's your medicine. Off you go. You'll get worse till you eventually die. You've got high blood pressure. Here's your medicine. Off you go. We'll just keep increasing it as things get worse. Just eat less, move more kind of thing is your diet um, advice from, yep. a, from a normal doctor because they're just not taught nutrition. Yeah, or, or the terms eat a balanced diet That's or right. eat in moderation, which are just so vague and useless. What on earth does that mean? <laughs> exactly, yeah. poor things. Um, and so, yes, I just started to go down my own journey as a lot of people that find this functional medicine path usually have their own backstory. So mine was, mum was diagnosed with Alzheimer's only about five years ago and she died earlier this year. And I don't want to end up like mum. Like, why 
there has to be a why. And there is a whole lot of research coming out now, thankfully, um, with a lot of the clever people in functional medicine that we can prevent a lot of these chronic diseases. And Alzheimer's is just another chronic disease with no real why, but we do know that uh, diet and lifestyle really does make a huge difference. So yes, I just kept studying. And then I wanted to be able to introduce nutritional lifestyle advice to my patients. But then there's another story is about Gary Fetke, if you heard of him. No. Orthopaedic surgeon from Tasmania who was told by APRA he was not to give nutritional advice. Oh, actually, I I think my physiotherapist told me about this guy because he's from Tassie. Exactly. That's him. Yes. So a dietitian actually complained that this renowned orthopedic surgeon was giving nutritional advice. He had a business on the side to and like to stop cutting off his patients' toes and feet. Because is it correct that he he realized that over the course of his career he went from doing like two or three amputations a year to mm-hmm. then doing twenty and found that the, the common factor was that people's poor diet and lifestyle cho- exactly. choices resulted in that result. Exactly. And I think he had his own cancer journey as well. Right. And yeah. now that he's not eating sugar and, you know, d- doing the whole nutritional lifestyle changes, um, he's managed to keep that under wraps. He's finally got a permission from ARPRA now to be able to give nutritional advice to his patients. But anyway, that sort of put up alarm signals because we're under ARPRA. So I went off and did my nutritional medicine degree at Advanced Diploma. Um, and I was just like, oh, still, there's just something missing. You know, I can give all this nutritional advice, but yeah, I don't know. And somehow I found uh, the School of Applied Functional Medicine and it's just been life-changing, really. Yeah, that sounds oh. great. It's, and I think you're right that a lot of people in this space have their like a really organic why mm. as to how they ventured into this space. And, and and practitioners as well, we walk around kind of oblivious until we're affected by it. Then it's like, oh, hang on. Actually, most de- disease isn't cured. And it's just this epiphany that we've been living with, kind of knowing it's there, but not really acknowledging until we get emotionally hit with a, a purposeful reason to mm. investigate further. And I think a lot of people in this space have, some, have a similar story to maybe yours as well. Yeah, absolutely. And me growing up, I was a 70s child and my husband actually pointed out to me a couple of months ago, he said, and we're looking at, talking about football earlier, um, looking at football matches from back in the 70s, you look in the crowd, there's no fat people. You look at pictures of the beaches back in the 70s, there were no fat people. So we were chatting earlier before, I have always struggled with my, my weight. I was the chubby kid and you always stood out. If you were the chubby kid at school, you stood out. And since then, I've always had trouble yo-yo dieting as well. And I think that's how I sort of ventured out down, you know, the nutritional path as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and now, in comparison to your 70s example, I guess it's kind of the opposite. If you're the skinny person, exactly, it's like, are you hungry? You need yeah, a feed. That's right. <laughs> yeah, eat some cake. Which is not conducive, obviously, as we know, to healthy outcomes. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, so, where do you think, or do you think there is, and if so, where, is there a space for functional medicine in conventional medicine? It is tricky. It is very tricky. And I know there are a lot of um, doctors that are venturing into what they call integrative medicine here more so. And I think these are all doctors that have had their own life crises, to be honest. Um, there is a college in Australia, there's the Australian College of Nutritional and Environmental Medicine, which is fantastic. And a lot of these doctors and nurses, naturopaths, do this course and it's kind of similar to the Institute of Functional Medicine in America 
but it's fairly basic still, but it's a really good introduction to uh, nutritional environmental medicine. And I know that a lot of these doctors then try and introduce these um, things into their practice. Um, It kind of works, but from my own personal experience, working with short appointments, you know, even 20 minutes in the functional medicine world is really short. When you come to see a functional medicine practitioner, you have so much more time with them, which is so important. Yeah. Yeah, that timeline therapy that happens with any functional medicine, anybody, is just once you do that for the first time as a patient, you're like, why does it, why isn't every first appointment three mm. hours long? <laughs> <laughs> They're listening to me. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, it's not unusual to have tears as well. Oh, of like, course. Someone's actually listening to me. It's not just, um, so a common example is a lot of the people I see are perimenopausal, menopausal women. Um, they'll go to their conventional doctor with all of the usual symptoms, which, you know, can be aches and pains, rashes, hair loss quite, you know, kind of vague kind of things, not sleeping, go to the doctor. These are all my problems, doctor. Oh, that's just normal. That's you going through menopause here, have an anti-anxiety medication. So common. But when you really dig deeper, and so my my appointments, the uh, you get your first health history intake form, which is like 10 to 15 pages long. It's not Mine's just, the same for my clients. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just your one page, have you got any allergies? No, tick, done yeah. kind of thing. It goes really deep. And so then before our first appointment, I've already studied that and come up with a map. And that's um, one thing that functional medicine teaches is how to map out people's dysfunction. Um, and so when you you have your first appointment. I've already so probably spent an hour going through your health history form, connecting some dots, and then we talk really thoroughly, go right into everything, and often a whole lot more comes out. You know, and I go right back to birth. It's not just you know the last twelve months. When did you last feel well? Tell me all about your life history. It's just incredible. And I think a lot of the dysfunction that people are experiencing um, has been going on for a long time. So Mm. we've been conditioned through the process of going to the doctor and having a short appointment and having a you know, a pill, a super easy solution that when we sit down and say, well, and I do this with my clients, you know, I want to lose 18 kilos. When was the last time you were 18 kilos lighter? Oh, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. So we've got a 25 year problem here. It's not gonna, we're not gonna fix it in, you know, a six week diet and lifestyle, you know, kind of fad diet kind of thing. And I think we take for granted the complexity of biology in a medical setting because we expect these doctors, and, and I guess they've been conditioned too, to solve these really lifelong complexities in a matter of minutes. Mm. And we just take it, like, oh, well, the doctor should know. It's like, well, the doctor also didn't have all the tools. Exactly. And the doctor wasn't even aware that he didn't have all the tools because of his educational framework. So, yeah, yeah I think, I think I really encourage people to go down this path, no matter what you're dealing with, because investigating your history is probably where you're going to find all the answers. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. 
I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Yeah. And a lot of people will say, oh, I've had my blood tests done. They're normal. I went to the doctor. They're normal. So like, oh, I don't think so. Can I have a look at your blood <laughs> results? Yep. And so what they're told is normal is that huge range from 0 to 100 of 100 people walking into the laboratory and a lot of them are sick. So we're getting averages from a whole lot of sick people, really. And I think the framework of Western medicine is just to be not sick. It's not healthy. It's not to be healthy. It's just by the definitions that we see on our pathology report, you do not have a disease. Yes. You could be super overweight and not have a disease. Mm. Like you could be, you know, have some severe trauma from your past that's given you mental health issues, but on the pathology form, you still aren't diseased. So I think, yeah, differentiating those two things is really important. Yeah, exactly. And even our nutritional guidelines, um, when you look at the numbers, the RDIs, they're just to stop people getting sick as well. So yep. the bare minimum of vitamin C to stop you getting scurvy, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is is scary that like we're all living on the, you know, or the, the parameter is just, just before falling off the cliff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'll always look at everybody's blood results if I don't order them myself and look at, look at the really optimal levels that you should be at. And, oh, there's so much optimising to be done. It really is um, quite life-changing. So um, say a lady has gone in to see her GP and they've done even done the thyroid test. They've just done the very basic thyroid or the TFT, which is just your the brain hormone telling your thyroid to pump out more thyroid hormone. And it might be right at the very edge of normal, whether it's high or low. And instead of saying, look, let's work on this, it's like, oh, come back in six months and we'll check it again. And then we're waiting for it to be really abnormal. Same with your glucose levels. I always check um, your insulin level rather than just your glucose level because that's what's the key. Like you might have normal glucose until your pancreas just goes, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not pumping out all this insulin. Yeah. Um, So just watching that steady rise of insulin, it's just like, oh, wow, we've got to take some action now. It's exactly the same in the cancer context because Mm. they have this phase called monitoring, which you're probably aware of, which is we tested you for cancer. We found something, but it's not big enough yet or damaging enough for us to do anything about and they, the conversation stops there and they just say, come back in six months. Mm. Like, how about trying to make it go away <laughs> in that time rather than let's just wait until it's bad enough? Like, And is that because they don't know how to make it go away or? I would argue that that is the case because when, again, conventional medicine doesn't focus on the why. Yes. So if they didn't know how it appeared in the first place, all, the only tools that they've got to use in their arsenal are what to do when it is enough of a problem mm. rather than, you know, it's, it's lingering and we can actually remove it. Um, and not surgically, I mean by diet and lifestyle optimization mm. or or changing what caused it. In many, many cases, that can be a plethora of different things which you would need, you know, a two or three hour functional medicine appointment to find out just through researching the patient's life. But just, yeah, it drives me crazy that that, that window of, well, you're not yet sick. It's just monitoring. It's not preventative at all. It's, you know, screening is just monitoring. It's yep. not prevention. 
Yeah. yeah. And then patients just walk out and continue the life that caused the problem. Mm. And, and so it repeats. Yep. So we've touched a few times on the integrative medicine. So what's the difference between functional medicine and integrative medicine? Um, I think some would argue that they're the same. But I think in Australia, as I was talking, um, some doctors have gone off and done a little bit of extra education and they can see the benefits of complementary and alternative medicine, whether it's herbal medicine, chiropractic, um, acupuncture. So they'll try and blend a little bit of that in, but still working within that conventional medicine model really. Um, so they might work in an integrative practice where they've got a naturopath there as well or a chiropractor or an acupuncturist there on site while they're still dealing with the medical problems and saying, here, go off and see this other person. They might be able to help you in other areas. Whereas functional medicine, uh, doctors, nurse practitioners, um, could be anyone, nutritionists, health coaches that have done that extra study specifically in the functional medicine model. So learning all about the biology behind dysfunction in the body. Yeah. So integrative medicine is kind of like um, multiple different streams coming into a river, whereas functional medicine is kind of its own river. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, just, that's just what came to mind just then. <laughs> um, so in Australia, I guess the whole idea of this podcast is to de- demystify it and expose people to it. So what should people look for in a functional medicine practitioner? Um, someone who's willing to give you their time and invest completely in you. Like they should just be there for you, with you. Um, because you're going to come up with so many questions. So I think the the key thing is not just one-off appointments. Yes, you go in and have your your wonderful hour and a half, two hour session and they've come up with all these connections and this is what's going on, but you can't just be left there. I think the key is the ongoing program. So mine are six months long usually with um, a couple of appointments every every month plus connection in between as well. Um, so some of that time might be waiting for specific tests to come back. That's the other thing that functional medicine practitioners use is a lot of the functional medicine testing. So there's companies like Nutripath or RN Labs in Australia who deal specifically with these other tests which involve stool testing, gut testing, food sensitivity testing, um, there's a, a new one in Australia now, which is just amazing. I've started using that uh, called KBMO. And there's the GI map, uh, Genova, FX, stool test as well. Some people, you might be worried about mercury. So there's mercury testing you can do as well, hair mineral testing. So all a little bit out there, a little bit different. And your conventional doctor will just go, load of rubbish. You know, there's, <laughs> yep. <laughs> don't waste your money. But there's a lot of evidence coming out about it now, all these different testing. And it really does give you that proper um, insight into what's really going on. And that's the other big thing with functional medicine. We know that everything begins in the gut. And um, once you know what's going on in your gut, it's just like, ah, there we go. Um, This could be causing your food intolerances. This could be causing your rashes. Your thyroid could be optimized if we could fix your little gut lining. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and I guess it, com- it comes back a little bit to diet, talking about the gut, because it's what do you put in your gut every day, mm. you know, five, six times a day for 10, 20, 30, 50, 60, 70 years. It's sort of no shock that after doing that for so long that you've damaged the gut, which has then resulted in dysfunction in the body. Yeah, absolutely. And now looking back, getting back to mum, I knew that growing up in the 70s, like, and it's not 
not my parents' fault. Dad's 91, fit as a fiddle. He obviously had totally different genes to mum and she just happened to perhaps be a little bit more vulnerable. But I grew up on rice bubbles and white bread. Literally, we had a loaf of white bread on the table with every meal. And that's kind of ingrained, I suppose. So I still battle with um, food, but I, I just know I've got the education now to be yep. a little bit wiser. And yeah, there's there's a lot to it. Um, so even with the functional medicine side of things, with your getting back to what to expect, there's also, also the coaching side of things. It's not just me. Like I can be the nurse practitioner and just vomit all this information at yeah. you. But I've had people just sit there when I was working in the general practice environment and their eyes just go wide and you can just see them, this complete overwhelm. When earth do I start? And it's just like, oh, well, your time's up now. Yeah. 15 minutes. Figure it out. <laughs> That's right. And I just feel terrible. So now with the virtual appointments, you've got the time and I can educate. Um, and that's the other thing I've done is um, learnt coaching as yep. well because I, I discovered that was a big missing key as well. Um, well, and I found the exact same thing huh. from my public speaking. I, you know, literally paid to vomit information yes. on a wide group of people and they'd be like, great talk, Maddie. Catch up at Macca's. <laughs> and I'd be like... Did you not hear the information? And that, and after doing that a few times, I realized information is not the issue. I've never spoken to a group of people, and I almost start all my presentations now with, I've never spoken to a group of people that didn't know fruits and vegetables were a good idea. And that's where the coaching com- comes into yes. it because coaching and psychology and belief systems, they underpin everything that we do every single day, the way we interface with reality. And that's the stuff that needs to work. You already know that veggies are great. Like it's not the information. So once I realized that and understood the power of coaching, then I was like, wow, this is where the tools to transform people's life really sit. Exactly. And yes, belief systems is the key thing as well. That's something that's been a light bulb moment for me in the last couple of months. Your belief systems, my belief systems are totally different. We both know that we need to eat the right things and do the right things for our body. But if I'm caught up in my career or I'm caught up in, um, we have different values, like you might value finances, career, um, totally different things. The mothers come to me, they're putting all of their life skills into bringing up their babies and, you know, now they're teenagers, they're not looking after themselves because they're focusing on their kids, which is great, you know, but you don't get a medal for doing that. If your child had a rash or was hypothyroid or had other problems, you would do everything that you possibly could to fix that child. Why don't we do that for ourselves? Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah, lots of people. And it comes back to the belief systems. Why do you believe that you need to look after others and not your Yourself and exactly. why? Why do you not believe that you need to go to bed at this time? Why do you believe this food's better than this food? Like, it's yeah. And I think a lot of those things too. Once we dig into it in those longer appointments, we realize are programmed into us when we were five. Yes. And we we, we walk around as these adults and think, yeah, I'm a free thinking adult. I, I think for myself. And it's like, well, you're actually just playing out the belief systems that we were, you were given as a child. Exactly. Yeah. So um, not everybody's into journaling or meditation, but even dot points. I suggest with some of my clients um, and especially the, the blokes, the men just go, oh God, I'm not going to be writing anything. Yep. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I come across many of those yeah. guys. <laughs> but I might suggest say um, like you're, you're caught up in your career, which is wonderful, but perhaps just do some thinking. If I was to eat properly to get better sleep, watch the sunrise, watch the sunset. How could that benefit my career? How could that benefit those other sides of my life that I, I focus on? It's just, oh, yeah, yeah. 
maybe. Yeah. I have an exact same practice for the people that I work with. And it's just start with five or 10 dot points that would benefit things that you already put time and effort into, but that would benefit from maybe better sleep or better mood or better diet. Like, and you start, you know, creating these neural connections in the brain. Getting back to those rivers. We're changing the river in our brain. Exactly. Exactly. Just connecting these things that were always sat next to each other, but we just never connected them. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this has been great. Time flies. Um, But where can people find you online? Oh, thank you. Um, so my website is achieveoptimalhealth.com.au. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it's just just think of Achieve Optimal Health. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but yeah, just search me there. Yeah, that's great. And for all the listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and tag myself and Julie, and I'll put all of our information and handles below in the show notes so that you can connect with Julie. And Remember to share it on social media, whichever preferred platform you use. There's so many of them these days. And give us a shout and we'll see who's listening to this and be able to connect. So, Julia, thanks so much for your time. I'm really grateful that you made the time to jump on the show. And I really think we can do a few episodes. I think this, we could. Yeah. We can go down the rabbit hole in this conversation. So thanks so much for your time. Lovely. Thank you for having me. And before I wrap up, I have one question that I ask every guest. What is one piece of health information you wish more people knew about? I would say try not to get overwhelmed. There's so much out there. Just keep it simple. Just try and um, eat whole foods, clean up your environment and just stick to that just one step at a time. Don't do everything all at once. Keep it simple. I love that. Awesome. Thanks so much, Julie. We'll catch you soon. My pleasure. Bye. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.